On today's episode of Hungry for Wisdom, we cast out a man who pretends to cast out demons. You get story time with Grandpa Dustin, and for our listeners with adult children, when your kids screw up and take a tumble, let them hit the ground, man. They bounce. We are lock, stock, and ready to rock, baby. It's episode 82. Turn it up! It's almost true. No, it is. It is true. The Lord does protect uh, those babies. Yeah, man. He loves babies. I cannot get over the fact that God gave children to people who were like 18, early 20s. Like, there's, there's no scenario where he expects this to go perfectly. <laughs> yes. And yet, and, and, and somehow we survived, right? That's the... Thus far. Thus far, far the have, Lord has brought us. Thus far, the Lord has brought us. We have survived. Oh, man. All right. Episode 82 is dedicated to who, Pastor Ben, or what? Episode 82 is dedicated to a special book called Every Moment Holy. It mm. is a, by a, a gentleman named, I didn't look up the name here, <laughs> Douglas kind of show Kane prep we do. McKelvey. This is totally show prep right here. And one of the things I like McKelvey? about this, McKel, McKelvey, I think is how, how you pronounce That's his name. cool name. Yeah. Irish. And uh, this got introduced to me just by a, a friend who was a little bit more liturgical in their church practice, right? Which means smells and bells and stand up, sit down, saying you, you got a script, exactly. Readings, maybe. Which I have a particular affinity for. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I find interesting is that this takes even the mundane or no, what we would consider just the normal acts of life, and it it writes a little prayer or a little liturgy for that. So, for example. There is <laughs> the the first the first liturgy is a liturgy for the writing of liturgies. Which is <laughs> kind of funny. What? But check this out. There's liber- litur- liturgies for domestic days. You got to got to do work around the house. Totally. Right? There's liturgies for those who are employed. There's liturgies for laundry where you can read and 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 the whole concept here is just that not it's like every moment is spiritual. And I'm not going on the Rob Bell kick where everything is spiritual in the in the in the weird in the weird zimzum way or something like that, right? But it's that no, we we are spiritual beings and God is in in, in everything and there's opportunities to give thanks and opportunities to ask for grace. And God has an opinion about every action in every moment. Yeah, exactly. Because he is lord of all, right? Yes. He's lord of that moment. Yeah. Exactly. So, for example, there is a liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee. I'm already worshiping. Give, yes. me, give me a cheers. Give me a cheers. So, morning coffee right here. Clink. Here it is. Meet me, O Christ, in the stillness of morning. Move me, O Spirit, to quiet my heart. Mend me, O fa- Father, from yesterday's harms. From the discords of yesterday, resurrect my peace. From the discouragements of yesterday, resurrect my hope. From the weariness of yesterday, resurrect my strength. From the doubts of yesterday, resurrect my faith. From the wounds of yesterday, resurrect my love. With this drug we call caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's... And all God's people said... Amen. amen. All right. Yeah, when, when we're doing liturgies, we got to go amen rather than amen, I think. Amen. Coffee, coffee, we adore. <laughs> what episode is that? Oh, Whatever, sure. man. Let's get into some wisdom. Oh, man, today's wisdom is coming from Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 5. We made it to chapter 6, bro. Chapter 6. This has been some tough slogging, dude. Wisdom is not not easy. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, 
caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give no, give your eyes no sleep, and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Did you hear that in Dave Ramsey's voice? I totally just heard that in Dave Ramsey's voice. I did not hear that in Dave oh, Ramsey's okay. voice. All right. like, a, like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. <laughs> Paying your stupid tax now. There is a way to guarantee failure in life, people. And that is to bank on someone for success who can't succeed themselves. Okay, so now it's true that no one is an island, right? We all need each other. But we're talking about financial commitment here, right? This idea of, of putting security up for a neighbor, it has a modern equivalent. Right. This is uh, today what we would call co-signing. And believe it or not, the Bible says don't do it. Co-signing is where someone wants to take out a loan, maybe on a house or a car or whatever. And the bank says, uh, we don't trust you to make these payments. You need someone who will guarantee to pay it if you can't. You need a co-signer. So you go to dear old mom and dear old dad and you say, hey, can you co-sign this loan for me? And can you know, can you take on some of this financial risk and allow me to keep the benefit is essentially the terms of the arrangement, right? Well, mom and dad will often do this because they want to help you get started in life, which makes sense. I mean, they've, they've spent their entire lives risking and leveraging their well-being for yours anyway, so this is like nothing new, right? Like, what are we here for if not to help our kids um, succeed by whatever metric we're talking about, even at our own expense? So they'll often say yes to this. But Solomon says that mom and dad should say no, and maybe not because they don't trust you. That's not the point, right? The point is that mom and dad are now in the trap of the lender, not just one person, but an entire family. And so Solomon wants people to be free from that. So we don't always get to choose financial freedom, right? Like situations are tough, man. That's not normal humanity. But when we do get to choose freedom in some form, Solomon says, do it, man. Take the out. So volunteering to be financially enslaved by a bank or a loan shark, tomato, tomato, by the way, is a... Uh, a <laughs> No, I love Wells Fargo. We should have dedicated this this episode to Wells Fargo. That's what we should have done. <laughs> Bank of America, this goes out to you. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Nor would we accept him as a sponsor. Take nothing from the Gentiles. <laughs> anyway. So I just got to tell you, man, as a pastor, I've seen this go wrong so many times, right? Mom and dad co-signed for their 23-year-old because little Johnny is buying his first house. And they want to help out. And then years down the road, a lot has happened. And they're suffering because their 23-year-old angel made some financial mistakes. And that's okay, right? That doesn't make little Johnny a bad person. Financial mistakes happen. And sometimes it's good. I'll tell you a story about that here in a second. And I, I hope that the financial mistakes happen before little Johnny's got a family depending on him, right? That's the best time to make the mistakes. But they do happen. And so when they do, whoever is the co-signer, has just lost the ability to help that person who made the mistake climb out of the mud. Because now you're in the same pit. You're in the mud with them. And so it's a trap. And by the way, debt is designed that way. It's a trap. So look at how Solomon describes it. Verse 3. Then do this, my son, and save yourself. In other words, get yourself out of it any way you can. Verse 4. Give no sleep to your eyes. Give your eyelids no slumber. So he says, make that your highest priority, right? Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. Verse 5, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Fight for your life, man. All right, so quick story. Um, when I was 19, I bought a house, right? Because there was this girl named Emily, and I was like, I got to marry this chick. And so I had this idea, and the idea was I'm going to build an empire, and then I will welcome my queen into it. Nice. Yeah, it was not nice. So I'm, I'm working... <laughs> 
I'm working three, four jobs at a time, just killing myself, man. I started a wine business at 19 years old when I was too young to drink wine. I could, we were importing it from Eastern Europe because there was kind of a long, complicated story. There was a Russian boycott on Georgian wine. And so, okay. so the whole market dried up and we were like, we'll take it. This is some of the best wine in the world. So we create this company to import this wine and I could tell you everything about it. I could tell you the chemical makeups. I could sell this thing to you unless you ask me how it tasted. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was too young to drink it. Like, I don't know. I think it's got like a, uh, you know, finish, like a rosy bouquet. But anyway, so I'm doing all of this stuff, right? I'm working at Costco. I'm working at a law office. I'm starting this business. I'm doing, I'm playing gigs at night, playing music. I'm doing all this stuff. Yeah. Bought a house. Bought a house that I couldn't afford. It was uh, uh, a four-bedroom house, big house, and it was next to Boeing and a community college. So I'm like, I'm going to have a constant stream of renters. And so I basically just turned it into a frat house, right, and just rented oh out the rooms. And it worked for a while. Problem was... Yeah, and then that... that that never does anything bad for like you know the structure of the house, the no. condition of the walls. It was you know. built in 1902. This thing was bulletproof. Yeah. So. Oh my god. <laughs> Actually, what we did was to get the uh, the college students to rent rooms. We it was right on the freeway, and so me and my buddy we cut out three big letters and we turned it into it was our, our Greek letters were iota ate a pie, <laughs> and we put it up on the roof so you can see it from the freeway. Anyway, that attracted the wrong crowd, so we took it down. But uh, anyway, so I buy this house. What I didn't know was what a subprime loan was. Oh. Yeah, and, and this house closed in December of 2006, so you know what happened a year and a half later, right? The housing market goes... Oh, snap. Yeah, so anyway, I get this letter from uh, from uh, Countrywide, who was my, my... They held the loan at the time, right? And they said, no hey, way. we're calling your loan due. You owe us all Whole the money thing. right now. Right now. And I'm like, that's $249,000, dude. I'm like, I'm... I think I was 20 at the time. Not 21. I'm like, I'm 21. You think I got... Yeah quarter million dollars laying around but i got myself into this subprime loan i didn't understand what it was it was my first time out the gate they you know it was predatory lending on a 19 year old is what it was wow so they said <laughs> i wrote them back and i said uh hey listen um no because i don't know if you guys are expecting to get this money but i think there's something else going on here so you know we worked out a payment plan i called it a mortgage and i'll keep making my payments right so they send a mediator to my house nice guy his name was john and I, uh, I was working the night shift, so it was like 10 a.m., so I'm in my pajamas, you know. And so I said, John, let's take a walk. I give him a Diet Coke, and we walk. Why did I have Diet Coke in my house? Whatever. So um, <laughs> we take a walk, and I said, John, listen, I'm 21, man. I don't care if I go bankrupt. I'll start over before I'm 30. There's there's nothing to threaten me with here. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't want to do. I, I, was, yeah. I was totally bluffing, right? But yeah. it was a negotiation. Really, I was thinking inside, like, like I'm a scared little kid, and I want to get out of this problem, but I had to play it tough. And so I was like, yeah, whatever, man. It's a seven-year ticking clock. I'm going to be fine. And so he was like, you got a point. And so I offered him $5,000 to settle the loan, and they took it. <laughs> what? <laughs> they took it. Okay, so... So in other words, the moral of the story is if you need to buy a car, bring Dustin with you because <laughs> he will negotiate. They took it. Well, yeah. And it was, I mean, yeah. there were more details, obviously. It was yeah. like, it was like an 80-20 loan and they did a short yeah. sale on the 20%. And then, so it still dinged okay. my credit a little bit, but I yeah. was like, but it wasn't a foreclosure. And I, I was like, I don't care. And so, wow. yeah. So I learned a lot there that you can't learn in a classroom. Right. And, um, my, I found out later what they were doing was they were clearing all the bad loans off of their books to qualify for stimulus money. And so it had nothing to do with me anyway. They would have taken $15. I should have offered them that. (laughs) (laughs) Live and learn. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, because they just wanted the house back because then they could, you know, resell it, get stimulus money and whatever. Or bailout money, I mean. So here's what didn't happen in that story. My parents did not swoop in and pay a quarter million dollars to bail me out of that. 
they let me bounce, right? And then I got married. Emily and I, I got married later that year, actually. Emily and I started, you know, we start our financial lives together, and we had a little bit of a setback to dig ourselves out of. No problem, right? It was it was yeah. a mess. Well, and I think it was nerve wracking. I think that's interesting because you know we live in such an era of like helicopter parenting, right? Like right. we have to, you know, we keep, we have to make sure our kids are playing in the parks without the hot slides, mm. you know, or <laughs> or you know, I mean. I, dude, I, I You're don't know. So if, right. I, I, I totally am dating myself here, but I remember when we used to go to like the BMX track, right? That we're talking like me and my buddies. I'm I'm eight, probably eight years old, riding my bicycle, probably about a mile and a half, two miles away from my house, you know, and 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 then we're going up and down these dirt hills, and this is an old construction site that yeah. essentially had been turned into a BMX track. There's like rebar sticking out <laughs> of the ground. I mean, we could have died, you know. Oh yeah, did you ever do um, pellet gun fights in the woods with no protective gear you know, at all? I didn't do that. We 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 did use pellet guns quite a bit, yeah. and I was aiming like at steel targets that were rounded, yeah. so they could have bounced back and killed me. Or something. I'm like, well, not killed me, but knocked me. But yeah, that's could have blinded you. They could have. Yeah. Man, how yeah. did any of us survive childhood? Oh, but, uh, but the stories. But the beauty of it is, is that that yeah, got, not only do kids bounce, but this is a way that they learn. Yeah, right. The, the you know, like even they talk about in football, right? When you take the pads off, they actually play better, smarter, and the injuries are less, mm. right? And now that since we have all of these pads on us, by the way, I've played rugby. That's true. Yeah, you because because you because you think you can lean into the pads more. And and so then you create more injuries. Now, look, I'm I, I'm all for like concussion protocols. I'm my son is playing football. Go Liberty. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but in all of that, right? He's I I I want the pads to protect him. But I also am like, hey man. But it's true. Hey, and the style there. the style of play, you know, causes you to lead with your head. But in rugby, you just don't lead with your head as much. There's actually fewer concussions in rugby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah precisely. Yeah. All right, guys. So there you go. There's wisdom. Don't co-sign for loans. No. Nope. Bad idea. Um. I have an announcement to make. You have an announcement? I have an announcement There's to make. There's exciting things happening. There are exciting things happening here on Hungry, Hungry for, for Wisdom. And no, it is not going to be a sleepy time version of Hungry for Wisdom. <laughs> Although, honestly, we could probably make money on just reading scripture. With, with that background music? With that, that kind of background music. I bet you that would be something that we could put on like YouTube. And because I know I know of people that that's how they go to sleep. They go to sleep listening to some kind of ASMR thing. Maybe, but but you and I do not have the most settling voices. Oh, you know what we'd also be doing? We'd be training people to fall asleep in church. Never mind. Ooh, Don't do that. That's very high church of you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> What's your announcement? So, uh, hey, uh, we do have the kids episode coming. And so, parents, if you are listening and you want to submit a question from your kids if, as, as they listen to this, uh, you know, you want and they have questions or if your kids have any kind of questions, Please send them in. We love it. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time answering those questions. We love it when little hearts are trying to work out biblical truth. It's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. and I think the way we're planning on doing this, I, I probably shouldn't announce this because now it's going to become like official, but I think what we're going to do is video this, chop it up into little segments, and then kind of release them one at a time. Is that how we're doing it? Sure, let's do that. It is now. That's going to be great. This is how we make policy. So let it be written. Truth. So let it be. All right. Uh, this is in the just so you know category. I figured I'd read you a little bit of, oh, by the way, PG-13 warning here. Uh, if your kids are in the car. <laughs> so in other words, if your kids are listening. That's on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pedophile legislation. Here we go. Uh, California, the, uh, the, the state from which you sought refuge. So glad you're here. Bearded Beaver, Pastor Ben. Glad you're in Washington, which is really no better. Uh, as the Globe has reported. Under SB 145, Senate Bill 145, 
Uh, sex offenders would not have to automatically register as sex offenders if the offender is within 10 years of age of the minor. Yes, 10 years. So you're reading this right, that a 21-year-old committing unspeakable acts with an 11-year-old would not necessarily have to register as an offender. After being shelved last year because it could not pass, the bill was quietly brought back, that's how they do things, at the last minute in uh, this year in August without any new analysis or new amendments and was voted on on August 20th in the Assembly Appropriations Committee where it passed 6-2 to two by the State Senate of Blech. California. Yuck. Yeah. So, uh, I was thinking about reading all of these. I was thinking about reading all the names of the people who voted yes for this, but there's a lot of them because California is a cesspool. So, I'll just say you should go on and see SB 145, Sex Offenders Registration Bill, and the senators who voted I on it, on the bill votes. Uh, sick stuff. This is that, what's that dude... I only remember Scott his last Weiner. Name. Yeah, I was going to say I only remember his last name because his last name is Weiner, which he's is assemblyman from uh, two on the nose. Is he a senator? I forget. He's a, he's one of the legislators from uh, yeah, he's a senator San Francisco, and every single progressive, sexually deviant um, dude's a piece of legislation he's gonna he's gonna let he's gonna list. I mean, everything from I mean, you want to probably draw a straight line from him to every piece of legislation that has created all kinds of problems in the school districts, all kinds of problems. He's, he's just a, I, I don't have very friendly words for him. Dude's a perv. Yeah. Now, I don't know what's going on in his personal life. This is not an accusation. I'm not drawing any conclusions about what he does in his personal life, but he's a perv. Well, the bills he advocates for are certainly wrong. I, I, mean, I mean, you know, yeah, it's like two plus two is four. We can probably do the math on yeah. what's going on in that sick little twisted head of his, but this stuff is harmful to children. Now, I went on his website, actually, and... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I Well, I was, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll copy-paste some stuff to get his explanation, but I... Like, I don't want to read out loud the stuff that's on his website in, in this forum because it's just like, there's no reason for it. Now, there's not a lot of stuff that you and I won't say, right? I think we've demonstrated that <laughs> amply Probably over the last couple much. of years. But there, there's some of this stuff where he's like, and, and just straight on the website of the of his, his senator's kind of page, right? Mm -hmm. It's talking about the details of what type of sexual acts with minors will be prosecuted and not. And essentially what he's saying is, um, hey, judges can decide whether or not a registry and jail time is appropriate for people in these situations. And so he's just, just opening up that door, letting out that leash for the pedos, man. So anyway, these people do not have your children's best interest in mind. And I just wanted to uh, bring that up and call them out because they are our employees and they deserve a negative performance review. So, all right. Now to the meat and the potatoes, both of which I have a mm, great affinity for. Meat. Potatoes. Bro, I was, uh, so I used to live in England, right? Spent a lot of time going around Europe. For, I went to an international school, so we played the, like these international sports tournaments yeah. and stuff. And so we'd have a tournament in Germany. We'd have a tournament, tournament in Greece, things like that. And, um, you know, we'd go for two days, get our butts kicked in some <laughs> rugby match or yep. whatever, and then go home. And, um, yeah, but Germany was always like my favorite because <laughs> it was just, I was 14, 15 years old and just constant meat and potatoes. Oh, yeah. <sighs> What were we talking about again? Well, I, as as someone, I, actually, I'm I'm on now. I'm trying out like a, a carnivore type keto type diet for a little while, kind of oh, balance man. out balance out the sugars and stuff like that. I went vegan for a little bit just to see if that was going to help. I pray Doesn't for help. you every day. <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do appreciate. And the the, the fact that like. the vegan thing didn't work for you 
was like, you were so happy when you figured that Dude, out. Dude, I was so, I mean, it, 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 it did, there were, there were some benefits, but honestly, like it, it didn't, it didn't really move the needle. Yeah. And, and yet, um, and especially since you had to be, I had to be really careful about carbs because, you know, I have some carb issues in my life. So I'm working on now, now if I don't have a whole lot of carbs to convert to sugars, which means, hey, I can eat a lot. Meat and potatoes. And well, what about the know, starch and the potatoes? Problem? Um, yes, but only, but I can have a small amount or, okay. you know, quite frankly, I can pass those off my plate and have more meat. Not you know, a bad solution. Not a bad solution at all. Yeah. Could be expensive, but that's why I sometimes, have, that's why I'm raising game birds, so I yeah. can have more meat. <laughs> that's it, man. That's so, it. Yeah. All right. So I think we were talking about something. What's the meat and potatoes of this episode? I uh, mean, the potatoes of this episode are that this isn't that. Yeah. And so we have several questions. And again, if you do have questions, you can send them to office at graceandtruthcommunity.com. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hey, here's another announcement. Uh, I think it's going to be the next episode after this one. We're not going to do a Q&A. We're going to do an interview with a Christian public school principal in Washington State. Dude. Yeah, dude's got the inside scoop. Now we're going to have to like er- erect the uh, the screen of obscurity. Maybe. To keep him. Do, do a vocoder, to, like vocals. To keep his identity secret. <laughs> FBI video. <laughs> That would be awesome. I can't tell you what I saw, but it was horrifying. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do our this isn't that. But uh, if you also, we need to check the Twitter feed, by the way. Oh, crap. Sorry, did, Twitter. Did we, ever, did we ever figure out the, the thing? I don't the know. envelope and the thing? Yeah. You, no. Well, then why am I checking it? I don't know. Is it X now? It's X. <laughs> is the word Twitter officially dead? No. Can it be? No, not really. It just says, yeah. Well, if it just says X, why is it? Why are we calling it Twitter? Because it's been Twitter for almost ten years. <laughs> I think our is it ten years. I don't know. Two thousand seven or something. Yeah. I think our. Um, yeah, I don't think the settings are on correctly. I'm not doing it. Okay, so in other words, uh, the don't DMS anymore. Just <laughs> yeah, us, anymore. <laughs> leave us alone anymore. We don't really have any. DMs we got to open all. up something though. Yeah, we got to because not everybody like our audience is big enough now that most people don't have our phone numbers. Yeah, like a year ago, it was just like ah, text us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, all right. So another. This is a third announcement on hungry for wisdom. We're gonna have to figure out some kind of way for. We'll have to just. It's gonna. It's probably just gonna have to be email because I mean, the church doesn't have a text number. So you can't check text the church unless you want your phone blowing up from people from all over the you know Western United States, which I don't. No. All right. So what questions do we have? All right. So our questions are These from. Actually, did come in through email from our beloved listeners. Yay! We love you. We love you. From Angie, what books are each of you reading right now? Oh yeah, yeah. Just a good old fashioned catch up. Yeah. So what, what? So what, Dustin? What books are you reading right now, dude? Uh, well, I mean. You know, for preachers, it's weird because we're always reading 15 at a time because we got the commentaries for our sermons and things yeah, like that, right? Pretty much. Um, for fun, I'm reading a biography on Ulrich Zwingli. And Ooh. yeah, written by Bruce Gordon. And it is a mess because the Swiss Confederation was a political hodgepodge. It's like like political turmoil threw up and the product was the Swiss Confederation in the 1500s. like if you put all that back together in its best case scenario it was hyper turmoil so anyway um so he goes into all of that so it's a little bit of a dry read at times but the the biographical information about Ulrich Zwingli the Swiss reformer himself pretty interesting for example 
the guy died in battle, but he started out as like a raging pacifist. So he's you, you got to track that, you know. And and he was um, he also like drowned people in the lake because they wanted to be baptized post conversion rather than infant baptism. Oh, dude, that is like some seriously dark. I don't even know. That's not even comedy. That's like no, what? but it's kind of like yeah. Five hundred years later, it's like, but we can laugh now. <laughs> but wow. you know, it's it's a. I mean, it's a weird thing because at the time they were all just running from the Catholics, and they they have to figure out how to set up a society. So you gather around a common theological structure, and you try and make a society out of that. Who winds up being your leaders? Well, the pastors, the guy that under the guys that understand your theology. So there was no church and state division, right? These guys are making all these decisions, and and your cohesion is your doctrine and so when they say like like at the time there was a doctrine that your citizenship was recorded at your baptism and so when they're saying we're not going to baptize our babies anymore they're saying our kids aren't going to like that would be like us saying we don't want american citizenship for our kids mm-hmm. well that's weird and over and if that if that spreads out that can tear a society apart so yeah. it, the doctrine of baptism winds up being this huge political issue and then when they refuse to participate in the society then they were like well that's treason that's a death worthy offense and so you can see these logical connections and how one thing just turns into another over time under that kind of pressure where it's like if we walk outside of this city catholics are going to slaughter us <laughs> so you know it just gets really weird wow yeah history's a bloodbath so i'm reading bruce gordon's uh biography of Ulrich. Zwingli, or he renamed himself Huldrych because it means something different in Latin. I don't know. Um, Huldrych's kind of a cool, you know, ver- versus like Ulrich. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's a little more uh, meaty. Middle, yeah. Potato-y. Yeah, and then uh, I'm also reading uh, Daniel Block's book on covenant. It's kind of his life's work on the doctrine of what what is the biblical doctrine of covenant. And I'm just starting that one, but so far having a blast, kind of blowing out my brain box a little bit. Shifting some paradigms, maybe. So it's like, hmm, that's an interesting way to understand this. And I like it, but the fact that it's new makes me a little bit nervous. So I'm, I'm messing around with some yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. Not doing the whole theological innovation. But I don't know if it's innovation. I've just never no. heard somebody else say it. So no, I got to read his case. You Certainly. Know? So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm reading a couple different books. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm listening to, I do a lot of audiobook listening, oh, especially yeah. when I'm doing like, you know, yard work and things like that. For it's really helpful. Um, so one of the one of the audiobooks I've been listening to is No Compromise by Melody Green. It's okay. the, the the biography, kind of the biography of Keith Green. It's interesting because it's it's there you definitely see Keith Green in all of it, but so far, and I'm 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 not super far into it. It's a pretty long book, actually. Um you she should have been a blogger. Well, you kind of get that. Like like it's she does an awful lot of intermixing of her personal stories as well. So you you don't you don't hear an awful lot of Keith's early or even just his, you, you, she reads portions from his diary. You know, she's obviously been with him. She obviously been with him for a long time. And for those of you who don't know, Keith Green was a, uh, probably one of the, one of the pioneers of what we would consider contemporary Christian music, but probably an author, some of, of the most heart wrenching and good like music from the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, I mean, so was, Elton John and Billy Joel were huge, right? And so yeah. then Keith Green comes along with that rock and roll piano style, yeah. and it was very controversial, right? Yeah. It was like, ah, oh, we're letting the world into the church because Elton John is evil and Certainly. Billy Joel is not much better. And so it was like, you yeah, know, it was the old debate, right? But he comes out with just this solid theological content and, and devotional content. I mean, look, all of his music sounds the same. It is, he's got one song and he played it 900 times, but it's a good sound. And, yeah. you know, situated in the, in the context and the time and place in which it was, yeah. very helpful and important, I would say. Yeah. So that's Keith Green. He died way prematurely in like, you know what year he died? 
eighty, I think it was eighty two, eighty three, something crash? like that. Plane crash. Plane yeah. crash. Yeah, it was terrible. He, was he twenty seven? <gasps> I do not. Is know. he part of the twenty seven club? You keep talking. I'm going to look right. it up. So, uh, also, I'm uh, looking at a couple other books. Um, by the way, it's a, it's a great book. I don't I don't want to knock it. It's just it's it's just not if you're if you're looking for a strict biography of Keith Green's life. You understand you're getting a lot of Melody's life as well, which is fine. You get to hear her story, how she came to Christ. Dude, their conversion story is really interesting because they, really? were, they, were, uh, they were like a lot messed up, even early on. Like they really? wanted to follow Jesus, but they, did, they struggled with the fact of his deity. Mm. And so, and so they, the first couple chapters of them struggling with sin, yet wanting to follow Jesus, almost kind of like, you know, but because they didn't have the Spirit, and the Spirit hadn't been, and the Spirit hadn't revealed to them that Jesus was God, and they were just fighting it all left and right. Mm-hmm. They had, they, they were writing these great songs. They were even performing music for, for various uh, Christian churches. And, and they, they were, were like, but I might be a heretic. They, 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 in fact, him, and I think it was Randy Stonehill, that another another pioneer of Christian rock, they would have arguments about whether or not Jesus was God, and Randy would just school in them with scripture. And Keith was like, "I can't believe that," you know. And, and yet, in his diary, he's like, "I'm struggling with sin. I want to be free. I want to follow you, you know, Lord." And then, and and he goes, and he's even like writing, "I'm struggling with the idea that that, that Jesus is God." I mean, he's telling the Father yeah. this, you know. <laughs> Which is awesome, by the way. Yeah, no, if you're struggling with it. Absolutely, be honest with him and everything like that it was really cool. That's but that was, Job nine thing. Yeah. If only there was somebody who could lay one hand on God and one exactly. hand on humanity. Oh my and gosh, connect the two of us. Yeah. Oh, what if he was fully God and fully man? Why God? Haven't you said? Yeah. Oh wait. So that was a, that's a good that's a good biography. Um, by the way, he was 28 when he died, so he did okay. not make the 27 club. No, missed it by a year. Missed it by that much snooze you lose all right so another another couple books i'm i've been reading first of all i you have to have a confession time i am a board gamer so uh, like i'm just monopoly I, no i'm talking like a little bit more inv- a little bit more involved board games you know like the ones that you buy that you know have special rules and you have to learn them and so like but i've been i've been picking up some board games like i'm a, I'm a star wars nerd so i picked up a star wars uh, board, uh card game and i've been reading some rules and that's a great game by the way star wars deck building game but that's that's a i've been reading the rule book because it's thick i feel like so, you're, you're talking about a world that i'm just finding out as existing as you're talking yeah i could i could show you and you probably then would say you devote hours of your life to this and you probably would mock me which is legit so um but uh anyway i uh, just picked up that but and i was reading that rule book last night just to fall asleep which was great <laughs> did it work <laughs> oh it did it was great um so and then uh, another couple of books that i'm 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 looking into is one called one minute to midnight and it's uh and these are all surrounding uh, most of these are surrounding the whole uh cuban missile crisis mm. and just how close we really were to nuclear armageddon like there are stories that um, that were, and the reason I got interested in this book was I had a friend who recommended this to me. Tell me that there were stories of Russian sub commanders who actually had both keys turned to launch the missiles. No way! And the fleet admiral was on their boat and would not authorize <gasps> a fire, a, a, a launch. No way! That is that. I'm. I kid you not. I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to reading this because it's like that is that is crazy. Like Tom Clancy level drama. So if that's the case, then the Russians saved us from the Russians, dude. There's a gospel. There's just like when, <laughs> yeah. But wait, but what's that? What's that? Make Brezhnev. Uh, let's not a let, really bad allegory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a really bad allegory. So <laughs> it's a gospel echo in a sinful yeah. fallen world. But yeah, it's like when God saves us from God. 
Right? Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. So that, and then Midnight and Chernobyl. Because, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. I, again, those are part, some, no, I didn't live through the missile crisis, but I like the Cold War stuff. And yeah. then, but I, but I do, um, I like the idea of, I, I, I lived through Chernobyl and was interested in kind of seeing how that all unfolded because I think I was, I was like, what, five, six, to seven. To be clear. Yeah. You were alive when Chernobyl happened. But no, you no, no. I was not, I, I was not living in, in, like, yeah, I was not living in, in Russia during Chernobyl. I knew it was unnatural to have a beard that awesome. <laughs> Yes, and it glows green at night. It's pretty awesome. mutated, yeah. Uh, little known <laughs> fact, Pastor Ben never needs a flashlight. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, I forgot true. the audio world. Um, I'm re-listening to Kingdom of the Cults and then, uh, by oh, Walter Martin. Dang. Yeah, man. Great. Timeless classic. Oh, uh, pretty pretty detailed. I feel like uh, you know, it's better to read hard copy because you can kind of like yeah. skip pages when you want to. Yeah. Um, and then uh, oh, something in Spanish, especially that, if especially if you don't want to read that particular part of what the cult the cult ceremony is or something like well, that. Well, a lot of it's just a chronicle. It's like you know, let me let me you know, like the the in the first chapter, the Jehovah's Witnesses say that they're not Charles Russellites. Well, let me document everything in their primary literature that praises and quotes Charles Russell. And so he he just chronicles all of that, so it's written down somewhere. Wow. But it gets a little tedious at times, which is fine. You know, there's there's a place for that. So yeah, Kingdom of the Colts, and then I'm listening to something in Spanish that I can't recommend to people because most people wouldn't understand it. And frankly, it's not that good, but you got to keep the chops sharp, right? So there you go. Dang. Shout out for listening to a book in Spanish. Well, you got to, man. You got to keep it in your ear. Otherwise, because, dude, you go two weeks without hearing Spanish, right? And it yeah. just, it fades so fast. I That's, still need to, I need to pull some of the sermons from uh, several of my Spanish-speaking friends and just listen to them. That's why we uh, we instituted, uh, at, at Grace and Truth in the Office, we instituted Mexicano Martes, which is Mexican Tuesday. Which is kind of like Taco Tuesday. Oh, we should totally do tacos. Well, oh, on Taco man, Tuesday. We should. Hey, That's an, another this. thing to keep up with. We should reassign that to our assistant. Make sure, <laughs> make sure we have tacos every. This is a matter of discipleship, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, we, we started doing that where we speak. We only speak Spanish to each other on yeah. Tuesdays. That's um, okay. So can I can I modify the or can I add to the question? What books are we reading? Uh, yeah. Okay. What what podcasts are we listening to? I know where you're going with. This. I'm Just not. Say it. I'm not going Just to say it. Say it. And this episode is now dedicated to... No, it is not. No, I'm just just curious. What kind of podcast are you listening to, Dustin? I only listen to Hungry for Wisdom. No, I don't believe that at all. (laughs) All right. I I skip around podcasts. I'm not a dedicated podcast listener. Um, I treat podcasts like a buffet. Uh, Let's see. I've been listening to... Oh, well, of course, our friend Reese... On the I Freaking Love Talking podcast. Um, we're looking forward to having her back, by the way. It's oh, a little yeah. bit weird because it's a high school girl sitting there talking like a high school girl. And I'm a 36-year-old man listening to that. But it's all in headphones, so nobody yep. can. But, you know, I know Reese, and she's awesome, and she's good at what she does. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm listening to it. Don't judge me. Here I stand. Um, I've done a couple of episodes of the Lex Friedman podcast, A Sword in the Trowel, uh, which is Tom Askell's deal down there. And, of course, I had to check out the one that you're trying so hard not to <laughs> reference, Ben, which is Haunted Cosmos. Oh, yeah, Haunted Cosmos. Yeah, it's a great one. No, it's pretty fun. Um, so, I mean, I think it's interesting because in fall time, right? We you get close to Halloween, you kind of have that whole like spooky vibe or something like that. And, yeah. But to 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 have, it's like saying the quiet part out loud. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I know we've been saying this, right? You know, like, for example, they talk about in, in Haunted Cosmos, they, they talk an awful lot about, you know, the various, you know, spooky stories that we tell around the campfire. Some of them actually seem to have, an out, you know, a, a, a degree of truth to them, yeah. you know, like Mothman and all that kind of stuff, you know. And it, what's interesting is that they are, they, they, they're just saying, yeah, here's the evidence. And, oh, by the way, doesn't this sound an awful lot like the demons? demons. Or, yeah. or they talk about, like, you know, various large beasts of the ocean. And I was like, hey, did you ever heard this thing called Leviathan or something yeah, like that? I read that somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, it's a couple of Presbyterian dudes out of Utah. And they're basically just going through and saying, look, the spiritual realm does intersect with the physical realm. And this is not new to us. And we as Christians need to be able to categorize and understand these things. What I appreciate about it is they're not trying to decode every detail of whatever they're perfectly fine saying look we don't know what's up here but we do have a category for processing this stuff yeah. right which uh, that's that's responsible it's, it's a good discipleship effort yeah. now it i confess this to you already so i'm gonna do it now on mike the thing that i don't like about haunted cosmos <laughs> <laughs> it's and this is pure sin this is just pride it's <laughs> so like i don't know a couple years ago maybe a year and a half ago I go on this, I, I discovered Michael Heiser, right? And so I go on this Michael Heiser kick and I just read, I don't know if I read all of his, no, I didn't read all of his books. I read a bunch of his books and it was, it was kind of like, um, he was, he was not, he was not bound by certain things that were bound by in terms of like what books we published. Like, you know, it's like, oh, well, if it wouldn't work well, if, if Crossway wouldn't publish it, then our theological camp probably isn't interested, right? It's yeah. just like, whatever. So he was coming in saying, guys, listen, this whole thing about, about um, you know the unseen realm and and how demons actually work in the book of Enoch and whatever he's like this is not off the table this is it's not inspired scripture but this is the Jewish worldview so I'm just going to explain it to you and the ancient Jews saw this this and that based on these sources and his primary source evidence was fantastic right so there was some stuff you know there was some stuff that he got into where I'm like ah eh, you know theologically I think you're you're off on that but. It, even then, he was dealing with sources that I just got mad that nobody ever told us about. Like, I remember he he, re- he mentioned uh, the book of Jasher. And so I went and read the book of Jasher. And it's like this ancient history book. It reads very much like the Bible. And there's no claim anywhere that it's, that it's um, you know, inerrant mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, infallible or even inspired by the Holy Spirit. But it's referenced three times in the Bible. And so it's like if the Bible says something is recommended reading... Why are we not reading it, right? And so I read this, and it gives a lot of backstory as to the stories in the Bible, and it's older, it's an older document than some of these documents in the Bible. So like that weird thing in Exodus 4, where uh, Moses' wife, like, lunges at their son, circumcises him, and then touches Moses' feet with the foreskin, right? You read that, and you're just like, what in the world is that about? It's all explained in the book of Jasher. And so I'm like, how did I get through all of seminary, and nobody told me about this? I was mad, right? So I go on this Michael Heiser kick. And, and I'm, you know, I enjoyed it. I wasn't reframing my theology, but I enjoyed it. Then comes the haunted cosmos. And they're like, did you guys know? Right? Which is great. I'm glad they're doing it. But then everybody's coming to me like. You got to do it in that voice, though. Yeah. Did, did you, you guys, guys know? Like, bro, did you know that there's like an unseen realm? No, that's not what the guys are like. They're, they're totally cool. They're cool dudes. Yeah. Um, biblically responsible dudes. But then I got people coming to me like, oh, my gosh, did you know that demons are real? You got to listen to this. And I'm like. I've known this. I've been saying this. and it, it, But it's, yeah. it's a pride thing, right? It's like, no, I already knew this. 
you don't get to tell me that because I'm smart. I'm smart and I deserve recognition. So anyway, I'm kind of like, it's annoying to me. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because this particular podcast, and discern, listener, I would encourage you to discern, right? We're not necessarily saying, oh, this is totally like, you know, let it open up and pour into your soul and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you do want to put on the on the thinker cap and things like that. It's with everything you read, right? You, in, you know, even the book of Jasher, the book yep. of Enoch or anything like that. Where be you critical. Be critical thinking. And, you know, again, when I open up the scriptures, it's the thing that gets to poke at my soul yeah right everything else i get to put a thinking cap on and we mm-hmm. should be thinking when we read the scriptures as well but the scriptures of course have the authority right to like say yeah stop it right <laughs> that kind of a, that's that's pastor that's pastor greg's like word in counseling in the counseling yeah. room stop, stop it, it. <laughs> it's awesome so so yeah the, so it's it's a good listen um very the guy that's the guy that's doing the sound editing is hilarious if and if you really want the spooky effect just find yourself a, a room alone at night turn out the lights or dim the lights it you will feel uh, you will feel the it's it's pretty fun um but then uh, other podcasts that, uh, that i've been listening to for example again there's always the the standards usually i start my morning in the briefing because i gotta mm-hmm. i gotta wipe the cobwebs away from the sleep that i get so you know al Mohler usually does that for me in the morning and then um i listen to some guys out of california called Armstrong and Getty. They're fun. I think I've mentioned them before on the podcast, but um, I've been checking out like Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've been listening every once in a while to uh, For the Church, mm-hmm. which Jared. is great. Yeah, Jared Wilson. And he's, uh, it's been pretty, it's been pretty good, which is interesting. Again, I think it's one of those podcasts that's geared more towards like pastors. Mm-hmm. For some, for whatever reason, you know, I wish the guys at at, at, at down in Illinois, um, Joe Thorne and Jimmy Fowler, they they jump back onto doctrine and devotion, but for some reason they've taken a hiatus, and so now it's now it's gone. I can't throw stones, man. We yeah. took a hiatus between seasons, and uh, people got mad. I'm telling you, this is backed by popular demand. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, we didn't so, take a hiatus. I yeah. ran all, ran all over the world into a bunch of different countries and didn't record anything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I held down the fort. I'm just kidding. No, actually, no. The, the, the that's the one thing, and this is a shout out to Grace and Truth. the The ability for this church to even just for the saints to do ministry, yeah, it's phenomenal. Like the, yeah, the pastors like, go away for a while. Yeah, and ministry gets done. Yeah, and at okay. some at some level, I'm like wondering, do I still have reason for a job? <laughs> and I mean, I, I do, but it's it's just like I'm just like so thankful, right? Yeah. Like we're actually able to equip saints for the work of the ministry. Ephesians four twelve, awesome. totally good. All right, what else we got? All right, so from a new believer, next question, by the way, from a new believer, what specifically about Jesus's resurrection mm. resulted in our salvation? Such a good question. This is. This, this might be a long podcast because we could probably vamp on this for a while. That's a new believer home run is yes. what that is. I mean, that's, that's actually a, I mean, that's a question you'd get in a seminary classroom, right? Oh, yeah. So let me, let me just set this up then. Jesus is on the cross. John 1930, his last words on the cross. It is finished. Mm-hmm. Well, then what, what did the resurrection accomplish? Because now we have an ethical conundrum. I'm really playing this up, but like. Playing. Yeah. Not, not not ethical, but like we have a theological conundrum. If the resurrection accomplished something for our salvation, then it wasn't finished on the cross when Jesus said it was finished because there was more left to do. So, what did the resurrection accomplish? Well, I mean, you almost got like what Romans four, right? He was raised for our justification. I'm gonna oh, read it, man. I'm gonna read it. Uh, that is why faith was. So this is Romans four, starting in verse twenty. Two, that is why faith was counted to him as righteousness, speaking of Abraham. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Uh, it will be counted to us who believe in him who was raised, who, to him who uh, raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses 
and raised for our justification. All right. So he was raised for our justification. Let's quickly define justification in this context. Justification is right legal standing before God. It is a sovereign declaration that something is true from the judge, from somebody who has the authority to make that Mm -hmm. statement, right? So justification, God sovereignly is the only one who can do this, says you are sinless, guilty, uh, you are sinless, you are guiltless uh, because the debt has been paid. There's nothing left to charge you with, right? There's no crimes left. Okay, so that declaration was made um, it was made public in the resurrection. That's essentially what he's saying there. So the, the work of our salvation was accomplished on the cross. The statement that it worked was the resurrection, yeah. and that's where everybody says, ah, justification is a thing. So there's kind of two ways of talking about this. It's sort of like sanctification, right? Our, our sanctification, being made holy, being set apart for God, was finished. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about it in the past tense. Mm-hmm. You were sanctified. And yet... It's ongoing, and it is a, a process that Romans 8 says is guaranteed for the future, right? Yes. So it's, it was accomplished, and it's being worked out. Mm-hmm. Similarly, similarly, our salvation was accomplished on the cross and then declared in the resurrection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've, heard, I've also heard it said that, you know, like when, um, when Jesus ra- was risen from the dead, or rose himself from the dead, right? You know, the Spirit of God rose him from the dead. It was payment received. It was like a stamp, nice, right? Yeah, and that, and I think that was a uh, shout out Tony Sonelli, and that would be, um, that would be what, you know, that that is our confidence, right? Yeah. Which is which is what Paul gets to in in First Corinthians fifteen. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, you're still dead in your sins. Yeah, right? you're toast, right? Because anybody can die, and anybody can die on a cross, yeah. and anybody can die on a cross while claiming that they're saving yeah. you, right? So what's what's the receipt? So that that receipt analogy that was Sinelli. Yeah, love it. Well, I'm, he might have been quoting somebody else, but whatever, dude. Another home run from Tony Sinelli. What? Love it. Um, but yeah, so when when you make a bank transfer, the transfer is finished before the receipt is printed out, right? Yeah. The resurrection was the receipt. The work had already been done. The transfer had been done. Yeah. This is the proof yeah. that it worked. But I think it's interesting. Paul also then re, in in First Corinthians fifteen talks about. Christ being the first fruits, right? And so we think about that future aspect of yep. salvation. So it's a our, prediction. Yeah, our glorification, you know, right? We go through the cross to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that that all of that is is a future aspect. And, yeah. and just as he is, we will be, right? You know, that kind of a thing. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that to, so even though I'm sure that the listener was mostly thinking about, okay, what did the resurrection do? For to the, forgive my sins. Yeah, to forgive my and, yeah. sins. But but there is a future salvation which we are looking forward to. In fact, I think it's like per, Peter writes about this 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 faith that is that is in yep. uh, imperishable un, inheritance that is it's imperishable, undefiled, yeah. unfading, kept in heaven for you by God Himself. Right. Yep. And all this comes from the first fruits of the cross. Right. right? But just to be more specific, also the 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 first fruits. Of the, Resurrection. Oh, yeah, the first yeah. fruits of the resurrection, that's a demonstration of something that actually got finally accomplished on the cross, yeah. right? So he wasn't he wasn't saying, okay, I'm risen from the dead. Now you get to be risen from the dead because I rose. What he's saying is, I died on the cross, forgave your sin, and now I will demonstrate the resurrection that is in the future for you. So the resurrection was not more salvation work. No, no, right? no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and we're, we're splitting hairs, but these are important hairs to split because um, like this, this can wander off in some really her- heretical directions where sometimes people will say, well, when Jesus died, it makes a statement in 1 Peter 3 that he descended into, you know, the, depending on your translation, into hell? 
or into the lower parts. He made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. What is going on there? And the Apostles' Creed comes out and gives us some language which has to be specified about Jesus descending into hell or the grave. What's happening? And so some people will commit the heresy of saying Jesus died on the cross and then went and suffered in hell in our place. That's heresy because that means that the cross did not finish the work. When he said it's finished, it wasn't because there was more suffering for him to do after that. That's not true. And Mm. so we got to be really careful because we could make the same mistake with the resurrection where we say he died on the cross and we're saved by his resurrection. And we're saved by his perfect life, which he traded for us in his perfect death, where he was, where he became sin who knew no sin, and all of that was demonstrated in the resurrection. Now, I will say this: the resurrection did also accomplish something in the spiritual realm, since we were on a supernatural Michael Heiser kick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going. but it's not specifically for our salvation; it's for the the domination of the demons who claim to rule the nations, right? Yeah. So Psalm eighty two verse six: Arise, O God, for you will possess the nations. And the Jews, the the, the first Christians who were reading the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the New Testament. I'm way off in the weeds here. When it says arise, it's the same word for resurrect, right? So they understood that when Jesus rose from the dead. You know, same thing in Psalm 3. When Jesus rose from the dead, that was God arising and taking possession of the nations, which is why he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So Christ was essentially um, taking away the enemy's ultimate threat, his ultimate weapon, which is death, right? So he just took away the big hammer. Now, what else do you have to threaten my people with? God says, nothing. What do you got? Death? I just beat it. What do you got? Sin? Guilt? I just beat it. Yeah. Like, what else is it? And so it was an end zone dance. It was a spike in the ball. Totally. And it was also a very clear, like, like invasion of their space. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to skip in the order because because we've been talking about the cross and Christ and his finished work That's on the unbiblical, cross. Ben. All things are to be yeah. done decently and in yeah. order. Yes, but I'm also adjusting that. So. <laughs> and with so, agility. So from, from Sarah... If Christ's work on the cross is finished, why does he need to intercede for us? What does that mean exactly? What is that unrelated? Is that unrelated to salvation and forgiveness since that was already accomplished? I'm looking at Romans 8, 34 and Hebrews 7, 25. Since I love Romans and you love Hebrews, why don't I take Romans 8, 34? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, we both love both, by the way, just so you guys know. Um, it's okay to have favorite books of the Bible. Um, Romans 8.34 reads thusly. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. All right, so the question is then, if all of the work was done on the cross, why is he still working? Why is there still work for Jesus to do? Hebrews 7, what, 26? 7.25. So Hebrews 7.25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Yep. Sarah, awesome question. Excellent. Great one. Yeah, and basically, you hit the nail on the head, right? In fact, maybe we should reword the, reread the question because the way that yeah. she worded that kind of is the answer. Yeah. So why does he need to intercede for us? What does it mean exactly? Is that unrelated to salvation and forgiveness since that was already accomplished? I wouldn't say unrelated. I would say it's a result, right? So yeah. salvation was the, the transfer from, from enemy to 
adopted child, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's an event that's happening here. And then that opens up this relationship, which is eternal. And when we talk about interceding, that's one of the things that happens inside of this relationship. Ongoing ministry, ongoing love, ongoing, you know, um, uh, working for the other person's benefit, that is loving relationship. And yeah. then the parallels with marriage are multitudinous. Yeah, I'm I was sure. just thinking about that, right? When 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 the husband says, I do, it doesn't mean he should not stop his yeah. intercession for his wife in any way, shape, or form. Did you hear that story about the old guy? He was like, they, they go to marriage counseling, and it was like, he never tells me he loves me anymore. It's like, I told you I loved you on our wedding day, and if I change my mind, I'll let yes. you know. Yeah. By the way, husband fail. Yeah. That's that's an F minus right yeah. there. By the yeah. way, yeah, seriously, uh, husbands, um, communicate to your wife often. <laughs> Often. And please, I mean, you can do it in many forms. Please do it verbally. Please do it with your voice. Yeah. And uh, others. do not assume that something that you said or texted a week ago is going to be remembered. Or a value you took in public 35 years ago. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. So basically, we're talking about ongoing ministry of Christ, which is just a, a benefit, a blessing that yes. he purchased for us in our salvation. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So finally, from an unknown listener. Unknown. Yeah, basically because I couldn't remember who asked me. Spooky. It's all right. <laughs> and he, when he asked me this, he was hovering and his eyes were glowing red. It was really weird. <laughs> okay. All right. So from an unknown listener. Hello. Hi. Hello. Okay, next. Can, can you please make a response to Global Vision Bible Church and Greg Locke? They suck. I, I would like to know about the topic of Christians and deliverance from evil spirits after they are all saved. This is a concern, as I know people who attended the, that congregation, and I would like to further beef up my response to why they should resign. Thank you. Yeah, look, Greg Locke's a showman. He's he's one of these he's one of these guys that you know just makes a big big uh, hoopla about how he can cast out demons, and he's got the power to do it, and it all looks really great on camera. And he yells and says crazy things in public and things like. He's one of these guys that spends more time talking about demons than he does about jesus is this kind of akin to some of those churches that like interview demons as part of their youtube channel like uh yeah that one that rhymes with hungry gen in kennewick well pasco but they're moving to kennewick are you serious yeah stay away in fact interestingly there was a documentary which i did not watch but i watched the trailer but i was like this keeps happening i I can't Mm. take more of this crap they um there was a documentary about greg Locke and um world vision church something yeah whatever uh yeah and and the dude from hungry gen was like he's in that documentary they're getting international attention now for interviewing demons on camera which by the way is a bad idea just 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 in case you ever encounter the demonic i I would i would take advice from our dear brother jude who said don't hand him a freaking microphone don't handle a microphone and simply just say the lord rebuke you right i mean that's the, 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 again, this goes even back to this. Even goes back to the, the victory dance, right? The victory dance that Jesus does. He says, "I have complete authority here, and I have demonstrated that." And we, as united to Christ, we have a part in that. And that doesn't mean that we can't be threatened or harassed or something like that. But there is no. First of all, don't hand him a mic, and second of all, just say, "Lord, rebuke you," and do what James says when when it comes to spiritual, you know, to spiritual fighting. What do, you, what do you do? You submit to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yeah, it's just exhibitionism, yeah. honestly. And and it sells, man. And and the thing is, like, it's it's interesting. Like, it's intriguing for people to see. 
because it's unknown and it's Gnostic and it's secret knowledge and it, it feels good to be in control of things and so on. But the Christian life is not about being in control of things. Like the, step one of Christianity is giving up control to Christ because Christ yeah. is Lord. And that's the primary yeah. Christian confession. And so when you see guys that are making a show of their interactions with demons, mm-hmm. just run, man. It's got yeah. Seven Sons of Skeva written all over it. And oh. I just, I don't have any patience for it. Like what, yeah. what's the actual, okay, so... Since I'm uh, since I'm in the the the, uh, the zone of naming names, we took one of these pastors out locally. It, actually, this has happened twice, and we tried to lead him to Christ, and it didn't work. Right? Like we, at first, we tried. To, we were assuming the best, right? We were assuming, okay, we're from different theological camps. I'm a little concerned about where this doctrine goes. Can we talk about it? And through those conversations, we tried to get him to articulate the gospel, and they couldn't do it. Like there's no gospel here. And if you're telling me that you got power over demons and you don't have a gospel, I'm calling BS. Yeah. So, yeah, just just run away, man. Like, so okay, what's what's the response? Because this person is obviously concerned about their family member mm-hmm. or whoever it was who's wrapped up in this stuff. Mm-hmm. The response is clarify the gospel and refuse to move off of it. Yeah. It's Galatians 1, man. Absolutely. Th- this is what we do. It's gospel. Yeah. Which I think honestly, even as we listen, you might be thinking also, okay, well what happens? I mean, you guys have been talking about how demons are real. What happens when I encounter some kind of spiritual, you know, some spiritual darkness, right? Yeah, dude. And we're and actually the, in a phase of that right now where there's a lot of that happening. At absolutely. And, and so what I, and, and, and here's where I go to, because this is where I have gone to when I, I mean, my, it was interesting. My, my first counseling experience, right? Biblical counseling experience in the church a while ago. Um, I, I took, I, I had a, I had a gentleman and his marriage was a mess. And after our first meeting, I couldn't sleep for two days. Mm. Because I was constantly being harassed. I mean, first of all, I was being reminded of my own sin. How can I even? How could I even? Um, uh, how could I even stand to be in in that position? You know, like this accusatory spirit was just harassing me. Right? Mm-hmm. I even, I you know, I I even you know, I closed my eyes and I'd see like faces. It was weird, they, right? It was floating, right? Yeah, that's totally. what happens. Yeah. yeah, and then and then and and then so I and so I walk into my 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 pastor's office. You know, shout out Scott Denny. Glad you're coming up. Um, Ooh, that's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be great. Actually, yeah. this this episode will probably release right after he's here. Oh yeah. Anyway, Scott. Like, anyway, so he goes he goes up to me. He goes, "Yeah, that's totally normal." Yeah. <laughs> like, why don't you prepare people for these kinds of things? But <laughs> but how can you? Yeah, honestly, exactly. Because yeah. you otherwise it's like. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's just a thing that has to be experienced. But here's what happened: I went to the gospel. Yep. I went to the gospel. I was in a foreign nation, uh, and I had, I, I had also at there a real deep darkness and spiritual, you know, scariness and spookiness had happened. Nation was called California, by the way. It wasn't. It wasn't California. It was. <laughs> it was across an ocean. But the interesting part was, is that the I tried all kinds of things to distract myself from that darkness. Right. Yeah. I did. You, know, you do this all the time, and then. What happened? I heard. I, I I sat down and I listened to a message strictly about the gospel. Nice. You know, again, shout out Tony Sinelli. And at that point, it was like it gone. It it was lifted. Yeah. Right. It was like I needed that. I needed that to be reminded. And also, I think that 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 whole spiritual darkness it runs from the gospel. Yeah. You know, and the authority of Christ. I mean, there there really is like, and and we've got. <laughs> If we wanted to get really weird, we could swap stories about spiritual warfare. And guys, I'm telling you, everybody's got these experiences. Yeah. I mean, we should maybe not everybody. We should probably save that for another podcast. I think that'd be a great dude. I, 
I think, okay, here's what I think would happen. I think we would lose part of our audience and be like, okay, these guys have gone off the deep end. They're just like, like levitating Eastern mysticists now. (laughs) And then we would gain a whole nother audience that's like, ooh, tantalizing spiritual stuff. But maybe we could help, help sort them, you know, sort it out. But yeah, what you're saying is exactly true. The reason we don't spend a lot of time telling these stories is because frankly, the gospel is just far more interesting and helpful. And it's not that they don't happen. Okay. So I had a guy in my office last week and like I said, there's a, uh, th- there's a, we're just in a phase right now where there's a lot of weird, spiritual, supernatural stuff happening at Grace and Truth. And our people are getting pummeled in some ways and it's freaking some of them out because they hadn't seen it before. So I have a guy in my office and he's like, gosh, I've got this going on and that. And this, this is, this could be physical and that could just be financial, but it's all happening at the same time. And then there's, there's this like weird supernatural stuff that I don't know how to explain. And I'm seeing this and that and whatever. He's like, this is freaking me out. What's going on? And I said, almost exactly what you said, which is, yeah, this happens every couple, three years, right? God just sort of like takes part of his, I said this on a Facebook video recently, God takes part of his hand off, like he, he lifts a finger and pulls back his hand of protection just so that we can see what he's protecting us from. But this is, this is normal stuff. This is Christianity, like this is baseline Christianity. Yeah. Now in the West, in a materialistic a naturalistic worldview where we think we can explain everything in the box, it does kind of freak us out a little bit, right? Yeah. But it's like, guys, actually, the naturalistic Western worldview doesn't account for all the information. You're seeing a lot of the other information. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Here's what we do. Christ is Lord. Actually, and you can explain it like this. Jesus won, and demons are kind of pissed. So you would expect them to act as such. Yeah. And when that happens, it's spiritual warfare. But it's no it's no more... It's, it's no more... Um, abnormal i guess you would say it may be paranormal but it's no more abnormal than a person getting mad it just looks a little different well and again the uh, <laughs> we do hold to some kind of spiritual thing we are we are mystics in we a sense. are mystics in a sense right and so the, the the discussion of the mystical we we in our modern society we totally want to eschew that right we want to we want to not talk about it because we can't taste it touch it hold it we can't measure it we but i don't it. know if you've noticed but our modern society kind of sucks it does yeah and so and and, and so devoiding ourselves from things that are immaterial mm-hmm. that's that, that the, the discussion that there, there is an immaterial in fact if you're a christian you actually believe that because the holy spirit has come inside you and he has told you about something that is absolutely supernatural yeah you know and we believe in like we follow a man who was born of a virgin and rose from the dead and was god we are mystics yeah yeah so absolutely. anyway when it happens don't freak but also you know don't don't trust people that make a show out of it yeah you know yeah, that's 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 like a, the 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 traveling carnival salesman or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Also, know? another thing to look out for is I will be your guide in these things, right? When, when somebody says that, when somebody's like, "I'm the guru," you go through me to understand, you know, God's world. It's a good thing to have teachers. It's a good thing to be a mentor and a disciple maker and that kind of stuff. But if somebody's fostering that, like, I've got the secret knowledge, you come to me and I'll explain it to you. Just roll your eyes and walk the other direction. Well, I think that we've uh, beaten that topic up. Man, I I got a little more personal vitriol that I could let loose because these people are hurting our people, and I don't like it. So you just give me another hour, Ben. I'll rant. I'll tell you what. We may – let's – maybe we do a podcast. One podcast, not all a series of podcasts. We'll just one that. where we let it all fly. We just let should, it all we fly. We should record one and then just delete it just to feel better, just for catharsis. Do you, do you really want to record another full podcast and then have it not work. <laughs> Too do we, soon. Do we still have the no? Is the no still in there? It's somewhere. I don't know oh where it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That was that's what happened last time. <laughs> no. <laughs> when we-
we found out we didn't hit record. All right. Well, folks, if you would be so kind, if you uh, want to recommend this podcast to anybody, feel free to shout it out. You can follow us uh, on your favorite podcatcher, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or if most, if you're like most people under the age of 35, you're listening to us on Spotify, give us a rating, give us some stars. That'd be great. That'd be help. That'd be helpful. It'd probably help jog the algorithm. And if somebody tries to get you to perform an exorcism with them, just say, no. Yes. And by the way, Jesus, who is victorious, who has proclaimed his victory, he deserves disciples. Hungry for Wisdom is a ministry of Grace and Truth Community in West Richland, Washington. You can find out more about us on our app, social media, or at graceandtruthcommunity.com. We love him because he first loved us.